I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet, pet Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Hey, we want to announce the giveaway winner right now, and the winner is Robin Carter on Facebook. Thank you guys so much for entering the contest. And Robin Carter, we hope that you enjoy the $50 Amazon gift card. Hello, and welcome to episode 14, where we're interviewing a pet groomer, Leah. She has a lot of experience, and she's been an at-home pet groomer for the last several years. She brings a lot of valuable experience and insights into a world that, quite honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about. So get ready to learn a lot about what it's like to be a pet groomer. Why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about what you do? I'm Leah. I'm a dog walker and a house call groomer. I am 34. I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. I've been doing dog walks for about seven years. And about six of those or more than six years, I've been a groomer, a house call groomer for a small company called La Pooch. Um, and then I've been 10 years in the animal field now. Um, as well, I'm a certified veterinary assistant. And before I was a dog walker and groomer, I worked as a vet assistant and um, surgical assistant. And even before that, as a dog PJ care attendant. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I live in the country with my husband, uh, our two small kids. And I apologize if there's any interruptions on their part. Okay. Um, <laughs> five dogs, uh, four cats, and a dozen chickens. <laughs> wow, you have your hands quite full. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. So, um, what's it what's it like being a groomer? Um, I love doing grooming. It it's great to learn a lot of new techniques and using like new equipment, like new scissors or new clippers, and to get to see how that improves my groom, whether it be the speed or the quality, is pretty awesome. I also like a good blowout of the coat. That's pretty satisfying. Um, and as well, like seeing those before and after transformations are always great. It's so rewarding to see those. Yeah, I'm sure taking it from, um, you know, something that might not look too good or a dog that doesn't quite have that sparkle in its eye to that full transformation and really satisfying to see that, that tangible effect that you have on an animal. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, that's why I like to do before and after pictures so you can really see physically, even just in the picture, how much of a change you can see in their face. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, so how, how do you balance doing both um, grooming and dog walking, pet sitting kind of thing in your life? Well, I like the balance of doing both. Um, I've been doing both for majority of the time I've been at LaCouche. Um, an average is about four to five daily walks for me a day, or Monday through Friday. And then I supplement with grooming appointments in the afternoons. Um, it works out that I can really do my grooming appointments after the walk. And I still have, you know, for the most part, time to take care of my kids and enjoy time off. And I really, I left working at that clinic so I could work more and earn less amongst other reasons. But it was hard being sick and injured animals so much. And this was a different alternative than that. It was really more of a positive thing for me. Yeah, and the flexibility there, um, I'm sure, is very nice. Take that time off and work things into your schedule as they come up, especially with a, a family and being very busy with that, too. You don't have really set hard hours um, most days, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, there's some weeks where I just do dog walks and then others where I have 
like three or four grooming appointments for the whole week, Monday through Friday. So, mm, okay. and some days I do two dogs and some days I'll just do one, but you know, it, they come in waves. It's like everyone comes every, about every six to eight weeks. They start seeing my regulars and, you know, it's like once I kind of get everyone finished and then they start again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, so can, do you do, um, is it grooming and, and sitting at the same time, like a package deal or are they done separately? Well, we offer grooming as like a separate entity. I will do nail trims though on like my regular dog walk clients. If they don't get them done regularly with their vet or groomer, um, for them, I just do that as a courtesy. And as well, my typical dog walk clients are not really my grooming clients. I have some that are. And then I do have some that are just my regular grooming clients. I, at one time, had either dog walked to them or even some that I didn't. Um, so it's really kind of a separate thing, but it's kind of my baby. I'm really mm-hmm. the only one in our group of employees that does what I'm doing. We have a couple of other girls that are um, that have experience with grooming, and they do it occasionally, like nail trims and things, but um, mm-hmm. it's just me. No. <laughs> Well, that's really nice that, you know, the, both of those um, experiences um, and you're giving your background that you can bring to the clients and the animals and um, kind of go back and forth between both of those worlds, providing the, the kind of care and service that you do. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's, it's a good marriage between, between the two. Sure. So a lot of people tend to think of dog grooming and they go, ah, I can, I, I think I can handle this. Um, but sometimes it doesn't always work out. Um, why should people seek out a professional dog groomer? Well, there's there's a few reasons why a professional groomer is a good idea. First, which I don't think most people would think about, is that good grooming tools can be expensive. Mm. Knowing how to use good tools is also an important important part of that. Using cheap tools like scissors or clippers and even nail trimmers can not only make your task take longer, but it could possibly hurt your pet. Mm-hmm. Really, when you get what you pay for as far as grooming tools. And the whole point of grooming is to have it done as quickly and as safely and as less stress as possible for the pet. And secondly, and really kind of one of the most important things is that if it's not done correctly, it can hurt them. Mm. Like I said, and even a trained groomer can easily nick a pet with clippers or scissors or even quick the nails with um, nail trims. And I've trimmed thousands of nails. And yet occasionally, once in a while, I'll hit the quick of a nail. Mm. It it can happen to anyone. Yeah. And it's the groomer's job to do the best they can and do it as quick and as safe as possible and experience and doing that makes that possible. Most of the clients that I have, like the time and convenience of having someone come to the house, because the, most of my clients are, you know, out shopping or they're doing something around the house or at work mm-hmm. when I come. And so they don't have to take them anywhere. They don't have to do anything. A few hours after I'm there, I get there, you know, their pets all clean and happy and they're done and they can go back to doing whatever they need to do. Right. No, I, I really like that of, um, you know, I, I, can, I tend to get that mindset of, well, they're just clippers. I can go buy a $20 pair of clippers and I, I think I can do that. But it's not just having the mm-hmm. tools, it's knowing how to use them. And then as you touched on that, I really liked was 
providing a, a safe environment, providing a happy environment that if you don't have all that experience, um, you're probably not going to be bringing to the table and it's probably not going to go very well uh, for, the, for the pet or the, um, or the owner. Yeah, I hear it a lot from clients and they'll say, you know, oh, I tried to do it myself, but I just, I didn't know how to do it right or they didn't like me doing it. So I'm like, well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> ta-da. Yeah, ta-da, here I am. Yeah. Um, so we've touched on it a little bit um, already, but um, what kind of grooming exa- exactly do you do and provide? Um, well, I am basically a house call groomer. So I come to the house I, with everything I need, with all the tools, products, with the exception of towels. I have the owners provide those so that that is more of a sanitary thing. Um, it's just one less way that I can bring in any sort of contaminant it's one less smell i'm bringing in um if they have their you know being dried with their own towels that's the scent from their own home that they are you know getting rubbed down with versus me that could have a million other dogs that i've dried that towel with etc um but i really have them just provide me with a little area other than towels so i groom usually in like a kitchen or bathroom area um I sit down on the floor with most of the pets. I notice that they tend to like all feet, four feet on the floor. It's mm. just more comfortable for them. They can move around. They can lay down. I, you know, I tend to group dogs that don't like to necessarily leave the house or they get anxious or can be nervous for another dog. All kinds of different things, heart mm. conditions, medical conditions. And so it's just nice that they can kind of take it easy. And then once they're done with their grooming, they're done. They can, you know, go back to doing what they're doing. Uh, I mean, I have dogs that lay in their dog bed while I blow dry them after the bath. Mm -hmm. So it's not your, you know, typical way of having a dog groomed, but it's, it works well for elderly pets or those ones with medical conditions or that are nervous. And um, those are my typical clients. Um, I don't, you know, I'm no, I'm no, I don't do any show cuts or anything like that. I'm not some spectacular, perfect groomer, mm-hmm. but I go with the motto of comfort over vanity. And if at any point the pet is too stressed or it's not safe to continue to groom, I'll stop. Um, the safety is my number one concern mm-hmm. when grooming a pet and really doing any, any of work with pets. Safety is number one concern and the pet's comfort is really the next so i try to just do what's best for each individual cat or dog that i put my hands on Mm. i I really love those two things i mean the first part where you said that um you bring you you don't bring your own towels over and that's a a detail that i would i would have never thought about um is is that when you're doing that you're not you there's potential for you contamination or bringing in other um, things that could make a dog sick. And then just the, the nervous factor of that's a whole new smell. And, and, mm-hmm. and you are trying to minimize as many new introductions as possible with, yeah. this, with this kind of grooming. And so when the, when the pet's relaxed, it helps with that safety aspect because you don't have a, an animal that's just freaking out and, um, and highly stressed. So you're able to do a safer cut and the, 
the pet is able to be more comfortable um, in that process. And then your, um, your quote, comfort over vanity is just, um, I, I love that because it, it really speaks to that idea of the, the, the pet needs groomed, uh, but comfort has to come before ex- making sure it looks perfect or quote unquote perfect. Yeah. Right? And, and um, I just, I, I really love that. Thank you. Yeah. It's my mantra, comfort over vanity, because, you know, I'm not doing the typical, you know, your pets that are being groomed, like as a show dog. Those are not my clients. I'm doing, you know, elderly pets, pets that are nervous or, you know, for whatever reason, the house call is just the best fit for them. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a service that I didn't even know existed um, is that a groomer could come to you. I've, I've heard of people bringing around vans or, you know, mm-hmm. and people, so you would pull up the van to your front door and then you would take your dog into the van, but you're just, you're coming into the house. It's just a whole nother step, a whole nother level of, of care and consideration for the animal at that point. Yeah, it really is. It's a more personalized approach. I feel like. Yeah, no, that's really great that you, you know, it's, it's fast, it's, it's reliable, it's safe. I think that's a really big yeah. thing that you keep pointing out here is that the safety aspect of it too is this being able to have all of that experience and um, know exactly what to do is such a huge part that I'm sure a yeah. lot of owners, as you've seen, kind of get over their head pretty quick. Yeah. We've had a lot of even dog walking clients that go to groomers and they get kennel cough and, mm. you know, things like that, or come home with fleas or, or doggy daycares, things like that. So those things can happen really anywhere. But the nice thing about like eliminating all of those factors for just having the house call groomer come to the house. I'm eliminating. I, that's why I don't bring my own towels. I have, I have them provide the towels so that I'm not bringing any thing that I can't sanitize or clean ahead of time. Right. So that there's not the cross contamination. Yeah. To keep everything really as safe as possible, <laughs> my, <Yeah. laughs> my my common theme. <laughs> no, and that's big. And again, that's that's something that you know people wouldn't even think of. So yeah. that's that's really neat. Yeah, I like to be one step ahead as far as how things are going for even dog walking and obviously for grooming too. Right. Yeah. So you've mentioned it a little bit already, um, but could you tell us a little bit more about what kind of grooming you do? Okay. So with the house calls, I bring, which I kind of touched on a little bit already, I bring everything I need. I have all the tools, the product, with the exception of the towels. I have the owners provide those and really a place for me to groom. I typically do like a bathroom or a kitchen area. Most smaller pets, I usually will bathe in the sink um, or a sink. Uh, And then dogs, I usually that are really larger than, you know, 20, 25 pounds, they get bathed in usually a bathtub or a sh- walk-in shower, depending on the the setup. But I kind of try to groom in a smaller space as far as not super large and wide open, just because it's easier to keep them to stay with me. I don't usually leash the pets. Most times they're just mm. kind of sitting with me and I can either like, we are like set up in a little corner or in a bathroom. And after they get their bath, I take them out. I blow dry them. I let them get comfortable. I, I have some dogs that lay in their dog bed while I blow dry them. <laughs> so um, it's just 
you know, I really like let them move around. I tend to groom dogs and cats that don't like to leave the house. They, you know, are can be really highly stressed at like a groomer's office or just really any of those kinds of environments that they're not in their home. Um, as well as like elderly pets or ones with medical conditions. I have a few clients that have um, congestive heart failure. Mm. Um, I have one or two that um, have blow dryer induced seizures that are things that can be triggered such as a blow dryer. So um, with them, I will give them a haircut first and then give them a bath after and usually do minimal blow drying. And that tends to, and on low and, you know, the lowest comfortable setting. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, keep it away from their face and things. And so the owners know, you know, they, their head may not be dry, but I'm also going to make sure that we're not going to trigger a seizure. Yeah. Um, That's kind of more important in that context of don't trigger seizure. right? Yeah. And with dogs that can be easily triggered with a seizure, it's really important for everything to stay as calm as possible and to not stress them out. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the kinds of typical clients that I have ones that are, you know, special needs, elderly medical issues. Um, I mean, I have some that are just young. I also do quite a few pets uh, or uh, puppies. I mean, Mm. that are young. Um, I love starting off puppies from when they're babies until they're adult. Um, so that that way I can get them to kind of get used to the process and it really kind of shapes them to be good on the table when they're adult. Um, yeah. Getting them exposed to those kind of really good early. behaviors. Yeah. Cause I'm sure a lot of people don't even think that they need to be training a puppy for grooming. That's going to happen in a year or more, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that doesn't, those typically don't get connected. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I don't do show cuts. I'm not perfect with how I get that. I kind of go with the motto of comfort over vanity. Mm. You know, if at any point the pet's too stressed or if it's not safe to continue, I stop. Um, you know, especially with new, newer pets, you know, ones that are established and I've done them several times. You know, I have some that, you know, I, that would will bite me for certain things. And, mm. you know, I just know their limits and, you know, and I can say to the, you know, the open communication with the owner saying like, look, this is, you know, this is as far as I'm going to go with them yeah. or, you know, this is as far as it's comfortable going for them. And, you know, they, they just have to be okay with that. Cause that, that's as much as it, you know, you can get. And I will not jeopardize my, myself or the pet and their safety. Cause that's just, when you come to handling pets, whether it be you're grooming them or you're taking care of, you know, really just any care for them, whether it's pet sitting, dog walking, it's a life. And we have to have safety as like one of the number one concerns, no matter what, all the time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, safety for, for the, the, the pet that you're caring for and safety for yourself as well. Yeah. And, you know, in, in you being in that situation of, grooming and pets that are stressed out and um, might, you know, as you said, might bite you over certain things. So, mm-hmm. so knowing the animal and communicating with the, the owner is just, you know, that's, that's something that not a lot of people think about, especially people going into pet sitting or pet grooming is that communication is so important um, yeah, with definitely. everyone around you so that you, everybody knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. For sure. 
all of this sounds really hard. Um, and <laughs> so, so what, what kind of training do groomers have? And is it, is it necessary that they have a specific kind? Well, you know, I think it all depends on what kind of grooming you're doing first. Um, for groomers that want to have the dogs that are show dogs, or if they want to do creative grooming, where they're, you know, dyeing the dog, they're doing things like that with color, those, you know, that's when you really need to be. Obviously, most of those or all of those are going to be certified groomer. Um, there's definitely, I'm sure, a lot of training, you know, aspects out there as far as you can go and get certified through a corporate company, through a technical program, through like a local community college. Hmm. Um, there's also groomer apprentices where you can work under a groomer and kind of do an apprenticeship, just like some people would do with a tattoo artist um, or other apprentice things. And then there's like, there's videos, there's demos online. Um, I personally do not have any formal training. Um, just kind of what I've learned through doing the vet assistant work and veterinary technician type work, um, grooming my own animals through trial and error, watching educational videos. I've, I've attended a couple of seminar like setting as well, hmm. but really a lot of it comes with time and experience. Um, you know, even the groomers that are freshly trained out of the academy can look back on their grooms three years later and go, wow, I was really a baby groomer <laughs> at one point, you know, we, you just yeah. learn, you learn on different yeah. animals. Um, there's also a big group on Facebook as far as with groomers of all sorts that share their information. And it's been really helpful for me to follow some of those because they have some of the top groomers in the country that are internationally known and they're sharing in tidbits of information and things like that. And if you can sit back and really look and watch and listen mm. to what all the greats have to say, it really, you can take some of that home with you. Uh, and that's really, I think a good, good way, you know, to get continuing education. Obviously there's continuing education out there, but a lot of that is being taught by other groomers. So getting in touch with other groomers, learning, and really kind of keeping the idea in mind that you're always going to grow. And I look back at grooms that I did three years ago and go, oh my goodness. Like some oh. of those were not like, or like the picture, like will always look off if you're yeah. looking back at a picture and you're like, oh, that hair looked out of place. Or, oh. you know, I missed, a, I'm that eye looks crooked or something. Oh my goodness. But, yeah. You know, you can always nitpick it at a groom and you know even myself like sometimes when I'm finishing up a groom I can sit there and like nitpick at the same area a million times to try mm -hmm. to get it just right in my mind but like then the owner you know they're gonna tell you some people are very neurotic and will you know want everything to be just so yeah much as possible and then others are like I don't you could have dyed my dog pink and made him a mohawk <laughs> I would have loved it <laughs> You know, he's clean. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, it's really kind of funny. And some people don't like certain looks and things like that. So it's just, uh, you you learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know we'll probably have a, a few people asking, um, what's the name of that Facebook group for groomers? There's a few of them. Oh, oh. my goodness. There's like, 
um, for I follow one like House Call Groomers, and that's literally what it is for on Facebook for House Call Groomers. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the Pro Groomer Network is one that is just a generic groomer uh, group that is just a fabulous one to follow. Um, I actually follow a few ones for hand stripping breeds. Um, I learned how to hand strip dogs like terriers. And so there's a few of those on Facebook and those terrier people are phenomenal. They know their dog, (laughs) Um, but there's so many out. I mean, literally like search bar, type it in, you know, groomers. I mean, there's groups for groomers that are groomers or bathers or Mm -hmm. bathers only pet smart. I mean, it's, you can find yourself some, some information out there very easily and you just have to look. Yeah. Yeah. Just, there's a whole world out there. Um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna show some ignorance here. Uh, hand stripping. Is, yeah. What what is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry <laughs> to drop that bomb on you. Um, no, that's fine. <laughs> so hand stripping is basically a technique of pulling hair, and for terrier certain breeds, their hair like professional like if they're having their hair at a let's say like at you know a dog show or if they're being competing mm-hmm. and that kind of they will have their dog hand strip instead of clipped um when you do clipping like you know if you cut down with like dog clippers just generic all over let's say for example an airedale terrier an airedale their coat eventually will be soft and kind of not as coarse and as wiry as it will be if you hand strip Hmm. Um, it gives it a more like how it should be like, that's how their coach should be maintained. Okay. Um, yeah. It's a ton of work. Um, it's all done with your hand or with a stripping tool. Um, but it is very expensive. It takes a lot of time. Um, it's one of those things where like you can, you know, if you do it wrong, then you're pulling the hair or cutting the hair and then it's pointless. So it's definitely a lot of work and you have to kind of really, it's a trial and error to figure out what you're doing. But, um, I've had a couple of dog walking clients that turned into clients that were grooming clients. And one of them was an Airedale. And so I've really gotten to learn on him as far as how that works. And, um, it's just really interesting because you can really do hand stripping but, or even carding, which is the same thing, but it just pulls the undercoat. It's not doing the same thing, but carding can be done on multiple dog breeds, not just necessarily like hmm. the terrier type hair. I, I card my golden retriever a little bit into certain spots just to get the, the kind of fuzz to smooth and little, little tricks and tools you just figure out and use and learn from the great that are people that are, you know, the, people that have terriers for 25 years yeah Um, yeah. it's just another way to you know learn to be a better groomer and learn to better take care of the pet so yeah yeah well that kind of leads that sounds very complicated like like really like you can you can try it and then there's a there's a good way and there's a bad way and that line seems very fine with hand stripping um so what kind of common mistakes do people make when they try and groom their their own pets um, like I kind of said, before, I touched on before, as far as with 
people cutting their dogs with scissors, trying to cut out the mat. Um, I've seen dogs, and it's very easy to give them flipper burn or nicks from a flipper by either, you know, running it too long, the blade gets hot, or cutting too close to the skin, um, quicking nails when they're doing nail trims. And it's important, really, to know how to properly maintain them, too. I try to educate the clients on what tools they need for the their pet specific hair coat or you know their type of breed whatever their needs be and as a groomer I do the groom but it's important for the client to really keep up on the maintenance mm-hmm. you know proper brushing is important for them to learn it's you know kind of their responsibility and as a responsibility as a pet owner to kind of keep keep up in between on certain things and that way the pet is going to have a better quality coat, um, better looking coat, better feeling coat. And overall, just, you know, it's better for their general health. You're going to catch things sooner and quicker the more often you have your hands on your pet. Um, as well, I have them book regularly. So that I feel like really makes a difference with keeping them on a schedule. Mm. and making sure that you know I'm they're seeing me regularly keep up on nails as well um having a pet you know a dog or a cat see me once a year is going to be more likely to result in just the shave down if it's a matted coat or um you know basically we have to start fresh at that point and that's basically either what I have is either like the clients that are booking every 6 to 7 weeks and like if if they're not on my schedule, they're hunting me down to get on my schedule <laughs> as soon as possible because they yeah. know they're like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like them nice and fresh and clean and, okay. you know, their haircut nice or it's the shave down once a year or I have, you know, I couldn't get into the other groomers. They're not, you know, the pet sick, whatever, mm-hmm. something. And it's, you know, we've got to start from scratch. Um, I do try to educate, educate them to like, as far as how matting works and how not to cut out math with scissors and what products can help work out certain, you know, tangles, what brushes and combs, all that is really the important part to how mm-hmm. to not to make those mistakes that can really have them, you know, end up having to call me anyway or having to call someone else. Mm. Yeah, they could end up causing more problems for themselves mm-hmm. down the line. Yeah, it's like when um, you know a girl, for example, tries to do her own hair, and it turns out an awful color, or you know, it totally doesn't work how you want, and then you have to go to the hairstylist anyway. Yeah, and so you, the money you tried to save, you end up costing yourself more because mm-hmm. you have, <laughs> you have to fix your boo boo. Yeah, <laughs> and those are hard to dig out of sometimes. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So I know in the you you told a little story about um, how some dogs and animals you know they get scared and they get nervous and I think we all know that some animals are perfectly fine and couldn't care less about being groomed, but then there are those other ones that can be kind of problematic you know regardless of what breed they are. Um, so yeah. some, some 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 pets don't like being groomed. So are there, do you have any tips for dealing with those kind of uh, those kind of animals? Yeah. Um, it, the big thing is to 
take your time. And obviously sometimes that's not always possible, but really just kind of being able to read their body language uh, is a huge factor in being able to know how you're going to be able to you know, plan of attack as far as how you're going to be able to get done what needs to get done safely. There's really a few hard parts as far as grooming pets. There's some typical things that they don't like, and that's having the blow dryer, getting their nails trimmed, having their feet messed with or their faces. Those are the typical like problems or issues that come across. And so taking your time with that, using different tools. Um, there are things out there that can really make those little tasks much easier if you use them. Uh, there's like an example, for example, there's a thing called a happy hoodie that you can use on a dog. It's basically like a towel material and it's sewn together in like a circle and they wear it around their like their ears and their neck. And it kind of is a little tight so that it gives a little bit of pressure, but it mm -hmm. can keep their ears clean or basically keep their ears dry while they're getting a bath as well. It can muffle the sound of a blow dryer. Oh, cool. Um, for kitty, I've used it on kitties before and it acts as a calming, like where instead of being scruffing them by the neck, yeah. that's, it just kind of does a, a freeze, you know, they're like, freeze, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I've had that work. And for some kitties that does not work. Oh no. Um, but those are like little tools like that. I use the happy hoodie. Um, I've had pets that have had calming treats, you know, the owner leaves mm -hmm. a couple of calming treats for them that can help. Um, I also find that pets seem more comfortable mm. on the floor. They like mm. all four feet on the floor. Okay. You know, a lot of dogs that may be dancy or prancy on a table for, or on a grooming table, like for their nails or for, you know, really any other group, like grooming their feet. If they're on the floor, they can sit in my lap or I can hold them in my lap and be able to safely restrain them or hold them and be able to trim the nails or trim mm. their feet. And then they can, as soon as I'm done, they roll, you know, I can put them back on the floor and they're done. Oh, wow. Um, so it's little things like that. Obviously using a muzzle is another one, um, that is a tool that can really act as a distraction. It's not necessarily just to keep them from biting me. Um, it's also something that can give them something else to focus on so that they can, a lot of those kinds of things lead to like a paralyzed effect, which mm -hmm. Sometimes the paralyzed effect is works in the groomer's favor. <laughs> Clearly, um, yeah. you know, moving their hand or pulling their hand away isn't something that, you know, it's going to take you a while to hold that foot still to be able to get it done. Yeah. But if you can, you know, hold them in your, like a little dog, you know, for example, you would hold them in your lap and you can hold their foot enough so that you can hold it steady yourself. Mm. Um, normally, like in a grooming shop or something like that. They have access to other people. They can pull in someone just like at a vet clinic or something they would do too. And you can pull a secondary person in to have them help hold for nails or things like that. Um, I do sometimes the pets that are at home, if they have problems with nails, or I even do some house calls that are it's just coming to the house for nails. The mm. owner will hold the pet. I have them hold them a little, you know, I teach them how to hold them so it can keep me safe, them safe, the dog safe. I can clip the nails, the dog 
you know, was just held by mom for 20 seconds, yeah. or so, you know, yeah. per, per, and so those are other things that I can, you know, do to kind of, that may, I may not necessarily be able to have that access to for them at a groomers, it's, you know, a salon, things like that. So where they can have that quick, easy area and just be in and out. Um, Really, other than that, too, I, you know, being able to just learn what can trigger as far as medically, you know, like for the seizure dogs, I know that, you know, when you start to blow dry by their face or by their neck or their ears, that's when they, you know, may start to get the symptoms of like they could tr- could trigger a seizure where licking their lip. Um, having kind of like a tick or something like that. Mm-hmm. So those are just little things like that where I can stop or, you know, just to say to the owner, like we have that communication of knowing like, okay, so I'm not going to be blow drying his head mo- more than, you know, just a very little bit because I don't want it to trigger a seizure or, you yeah. know, things like that. Or I will do what's called a dirty clip and I clip them before they're clean. It's not ideal because you can obviously, once the the coat is clean and bathed and you've blowed, blown out hair, all the extra dead hair and things like that, you're going to get a smoother, more, you know, even groom. Mm-hmm. But for a pet that medically should, you know, have the least stress as possible, doing that dirty clip, giving the bath and then, you know, kind of touching up afterwards, I may take a little bit longer doing that. but. Again, overall better for the pet, you know, comfort over vanity. Right. So um, those are kinds of the things that, you know, like, well, you you give and take for what will work and what won't work. Sure. Yeah. No, I really like that comfort over vanity mindset and mentality, especially in these settings of, um, you know, pets that that do have these medical issues. And, and, and by the way, I never would have thought that the worlds of veterinary medicine and grooming would be so intertwined as what you're explaining here. Yeah, they they really are. They really are. It's very surprising. Yeah. So I can, I can see how your, your years in the veterinary clinic and has, would set you up to be for this kind of grooming experience Mm -hmm. too. You know, that's just, that's a very, very interesting connection. um, And it's something that I never thought of. So that's really, really cool to hear. Yeah, it's kind of like they go they go very hand in hand and I don't think you know you can really realize it until you know you could see the connection for yourself. Um it's one of those things where I I never kind of would have pictured that I would have ended up doing this. Yeah. But it it really was a very easy transition to do for hmm. sure. Yeah, that's really cool. Is there one or two things that you would recommend to a pet owner regarding grooming? Uh, and what would that be? For most dogs and cats, they need just a few crucial tools, like, you know, something to have in their arsenal. Um, one thing I would say would be a greyhound comb, which that's a type of comb that's just a basic comb. Uh, it has like a shorter end or like an end that has like the needles closer together and then the others are a little more spread out um but that tends to work with just about every pet hair at least for you know being able to tell if there's tangles or if the coat needs some undercoat folds 
Um, but other than a greyhound comb, a good brush and a good pair of nail trimmers are essential. Obviously, having a groomer come to the house, they're having their nails trimmed, but it's a good idea to have for every dog owner really to have a good pair at home. Having ones that are sharp that are going to cut the nail versus pinch or brush, those are what can that's what makes the dog hurt, you know, can yelp or be in pain when they have get their nails done as if, you know, they're not being trimmed properly. Um I do like Miller's Forge for nail trimmers. Those are amazing trimmers. I have had them for years. I've always used them in the vet clinics. They hold up really well. Um, and they're cheap and affordable, which is always nice. Amazon mm. is the place for those <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's my big lifesaver. Um, but other than that, the, the biggest thing an owner should do as far as groomer, you know, grooming for their pets or really any pets, whether they, their dog needs no grooming besides nail trims, um, is working on husbandry training, which is basically what they need for going to the vet, um, Mm -hmm. which husbandry training for anyone that doesn't know what that is, is basically having your pet be comfortable handled by somebody else, whether it be having them being able to be held for restraint for like a blood draw or having someone touch and hold their feet, holding their muzzle, um, you know, their nose, looking at their teeth, their face, their ears, anything like that. And being able to be comfortable with that. I can't groom a dog or a cat that I can't touch their feet or their feet if I'm not able to touch them with a brush or comb out their hair or use scissors on them. You know, there's, it's, you just can't. I, I've, you know, for an example, I've, I have done a dog, or a couple of dogs before where, you know, they let me groom them, you know, give them a bath. And then as soon as I go to do a haircut or touch them with clippers, it's not happening. And so, <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. horrible for me to walk, have, have had to walk away with that. Like I hate having to turn someone down, but if I feel like that they're not, if I can't, you know, if I can't touch them with a the brush and they want me to brush them, or if mm-hmm. I can't get them in the bath, if they want a bath, you know, I may just, you know, this kind of service may not work for them. Um, or they may need to go to the vet and have medication or sedation, you know, depending on what, what, what the issue is. Um, and like I said too, that like, I love to work with puppies that are young and haven't been groomed before that acclimation process is just so awesome to see. I've done several dogs now that, you know, have been with them a couple of years and some that are still, you know, maybe a year old, but that acclimation process of, you know, getting a fresh new little puppy at, you know, 10, 11, 12 weeks old and grooming them for the first time, even the first, mm-hmm. you know, first few times it may be just a bath and their nail or bath and then learning how the blow dryer works or, yeah. you know, getting, you know, trying to learn how getting their feet or their face. And so it's nice to see like a couple years in when you've done that with a dog and now all of a sudden, you know, you go to groom them and they lay in their dog fit the whole time and, or, you know, things oh, like that. Uh, yeah. So those yeah, are like, that's yeah. when it's really rewarding. And, you know, I can get a, a groom done in a short amount of time because, you know, they're, they're great. They're what I would call a unicorn. Once <laughs> 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 it just sit there and let you do whatever. And they're just like, I love this. This is cool. And then when 
we're done, they're like, okay, hey, cool, bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, to see all those, all that hard work that went into that, mm-hmm. you know, to get the to get to that point, and just how rewarding, um, the, and how long that process is. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really training that you know it's yeah. that, that the groomers do, and you know, like I said too, it it starts at home. The owners, you know, what you invest in a dog or a cat, you get back. You know, when you put in a lot of training and a lot of, you know, most of these folks that are looking for services for their pet, they clearly, whether it be pet sitting, dog walking, grooming, they're investing a good amount in their pet because they want their pet to be happy, healthy, balanced, whatever. And so it goes hand in hand, you know, when you take them to the vet regularly, you have a dog walker come or they, whatever it may be it's the investment in your pet and you know yes that those people can be great tools but it also takes the owners to really investing their time and effort and learning um and those those owners that invest that and do put in the work just like their groomers those are the pets that come back from the groomer and the groomer says they're wonderful. I love them. They can come live with me. Things like that. Aww. You know, those are the ones where you're like, oh my gosh, you're my baby. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, no, that must be really, really sweet. And, and knowing that it's, um, you know, you as a, a, in the, you know, someone in the, the pet care um, industry and community is really a part of just that huge network that is all part of caring for the same animal of, you know, you you're seeing the pet at one time then the vet seeing it another time and then the dog walker seeing it another time and all this this big circle of people who are going in and caring for that animal but most importantly as you pointed out if the owner's not on board and if the owner's not putting in that work you know all of those other people it, it makes it hard on them yeah. whenever the owner's not you know stepping up mm-hmm. it's exactly right well i can't believe we've made it through this entire conversation um without asking a pet groomer what some of your favorite tools are <laughs> and products. So um, <laughs> what are some of your favorite tools and products? <laughs> I love good tools. Um, in the beginning, I started off with, you know, whatever I had or whatever I could get my hands on. And as I've kind of come along the way, um, there's definitely my favorites and things that I prefer over others. Um, for nail trimmers, I like Miller's Forge. Um, those they last well i like them a lot they hold up and stay sharp pretty pretty good and they're they're affordable which i like um i like a good pair of curved uh (laughs) short shears those are my probably my most common pair of scissors i use Mm. is i call my shorties um they're just a (laughs) short curved pair of scissors and they work great for little feet and ears and things like that um for brushes i like the Krish christensen line they're they're pricey some of them uh, but they're worth it i mean their 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 products are they stand by their products and mm. they're worth the money that you spend on them um their shampoo line is a favorite of mine too i like their um their stuff for not only like my clients but my own dogs their their whitening shampoo works great on my little dog lola oh. um and for clippers i like the wall rivera they're a lightweight kind of cordless with a rechargeable lithium battery which is nice so and i can use them while they're being charged so that's a huge bonus oh, but wow. they're um they hold up pretty well in this 
style and type of clippers may not be like the best for like a high volume groomer or somebody that's you know grooming a ton but they work for me and I've used this type of clippers really since the beginning of um you know working even at vet clinics and things I've used these clippers so I really tend to to like those I have the another style that are a five-in-one bleed and I just they're heavy, they're loud, and they have a cord, <laughs> and they're just not my favorite. Um, sure. I really, like I had said earlier, a greyhound comb is my go-to for nearly almost every pet. Uh, it's a good way to know whether there's tangles in the in the coat. Mm-hmm. It has the hair that's long enough to be tangled, and I, it gets out under coat pretty well. And really, it's just an overall good comb, and it's just the basic. It's got, you know, a ream and then coat, like the needles from that. And some of them are spaced closer together than others, usually on some phones. Hmm. But they're just a great overall good comb. And um, like I said, too, I love the Chris Christensen line. Uh, Show season and Le Pooch with the L-E-S. <laughs> Le okay. Pooch, not yeah. Le Pooch, like a company I work for, but um, sure. both of those are great shampoos conditioners they're a little more pricey preferences but um once in a while i like to use those um Mm. just because they smell all amazing um Mm. and some of the more affordable ones are like tropicline esprit um isle of dogs those are great um Mm. the show season quick dry spray is a godsend that really helps like Mm. dry the pets really quickly other than like the whole vinegar and water spray mixture where you can spray them down with like vinegar and water mix and really yeah and it's supposed to dry the coat a little faster i mean i i think it works i as long as you don't use so much like too much your pet won't smell like vinegar when they're dry but um it's (laughs) just the i've heard of a lot of groomers that use that as a little trick and it works i think but i personally like a quick dry spray a little better i think it smells better <laughs> okay <laughs> i i had never known that there was a quick dry spray or that there was a trick to do use vinegar and water so that's huh, that's really interesting yeah i feel like you know uh i've learned dogs that i've grown that before i would use any of that it would take you know it could take forever to blow dry and that also has to do with the dryer too but mm. i you know when you can cut that's another reason why having good tools isn't from it's even a drip blow dryer if my blow dryer takes 45 minutes to blow dry a dog versus if i can cut that down to 15 minutes oh yeah that's way better for the pet and for me (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so do you find that you um are you able to blow dry most of the dogs and pets that you groom or do you mostly use towels um i it depends and some dogs i like that are you know that special special circumstances where I cut their hair while they're before they get a bath those I tend to towel dry for the most part and only put a little bit of the blow dryer on them um, okay. but most of the clients that I do that are getting bath are long enough hair that they get they warrant to blow dry okay and then is there a place that you like to go mostly to to look for supplies uh, that you'd recommend starting at um I tend I like Amazon um amazon's a good place that you know for the most part i've found different um things from there that have been pretty good 
but um, there's a website called lovegroomers.com. Um, it's a the guy who runs it is fabulous, and he has a good variety of products, and he ships like the fastest in the world. It's amazing. He's, oh wow! Like all the way out on the other side of the country, and he'll get you something in two days. <laughs> oh geez. <laughs> um, but that's a, that's one that I really tend to go to as far as it's a good rumor site, and I kind of get lost in all the other ones because um, they have like big order minimums and stuff. But oh, okay. Yeah, really. That that was this love rumors is the one who I tend to use the most, and then the good old Amazon because you yeah. get your most everything in two days. Sure, yeah, it's kind of hard to beat that, but yeah, yeah. Um, no, I I love I um, really enjoy hearing you talk about, so passionately about the 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 tools that you use to care for the the pets and the um and do those dog cuts. It's not um I I don't tend to think about that whenever we take our pet to the groomer or um, when even whenever I go get my own haircut, I don't put much thought in what they're using or what the name of it is or, but, but to hear you talk about that, these are tools that, you know, you there's trial and error, there's preference Mm -hmm. behind them that um, getting what you pay for with the prices and that kind of stuff. Like that's a, it's a whole nother world um, that I know I don't. And I know many people other also uh, don't think of as well. Yeah, you can really dig down a rabbit hole, but it's, you know, when you're, when the pet is our number one concern that you can kind of go back and break down every aspect to how the best to care for them. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's exciting sometimes when you can find things that make a huge difference and you can tangibly feel or see the difference. And it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See that transformation, like you started, um, like you talked about at the very beginning, was um, these are tools that help in that transformation. These are tools that help in providing that service um, to to the animal. So as we kind of wrap up here, um, you can uh, uh, feel free to share um, some of your best or, or worst clients over the years. Um, one that stands out for me would probably be my first regular client. Um, grooming client that was a dog that he had that hip and uh, was just kind of notorious for being nervous at the groomers or going to the vet. He had to be muzzled at previous groomers and even at the vets for nail trims and things like that. Um, He also had another, they had another dog that lived with him who was just, she was fabulous, very sweet, just nervous little Nelly. She just shook the whole time. Um, But he would, I mean, he, he was a great dog. He was a very sweet dog. Uh, he just didn't like certain parts of his body being messed with. But hmm. um, I took them on as a client and I groomed him for about five years or so before he passed away. Um, I would go slow with him, work around kind of his quirk with parts of he didn't like being brushed out in certain areas. So I would muzzle him for those parts, but just to kind of give him something else to focus on. Um, and then really taking our time. I mean, it would take me probably a half an hour, sometimes even an hour longer than I would say a normal grooming session for him sometimes because getting all the, you know, undercoat out and just taking, taking the time to go slow. Mm-hmm. Um, he had gotten to the point where, you know, he understood I was doing and not nip at me as much or not really get growly or anything like that Mm -hmm. he really was good for me almost from the very beginning but um when he passed 
it, I mean, that last day that we had the last groom, I, I didn't muzzle him. I mean, we took a little longer. It was just really like a, a comfort groom. I, you know, didn't need to clean up a whole bunch, but he, um, you know, at the end of it, I kind of was just, you know, I, I cried and it was, you know, I, I hugged his owner and I, the next day I brought her some flowers and, you know, they were the sweetest people. And it just, oh, it, it, it was a hard one because it was like, he was my first and he was like the poster child for the kind of client, what we, what we did the services for. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was just one of those things where he, he stuck out and always sticks out to me as being important and Tucker was a good boy for sure and it was an honor to really take care of him and to be you know to help help him be comfortable in the last bits of his life when sometimes he wasn't always comfortable with you know his aching body or his mm-hmm. hips being bad and so that was really one that sticks out for me more than anything um and so that's kind of how everything got started with with Lapooch and grooming and mm. kind of being on this journey that sure. we've ended up on. Yeah. And, and, you know, really t- seeing that transformation of working, building that relationship, building that trust and um, just both of you being comfortable with each other um, right there at the end and knowing, yeah. and knowing that um, the service you were providing at that point, you know, really wasn't so much of a, of a, of a haircut and, and trim, but it was a, a comfort thing, like you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, hearing that story um, really hits home in that um, when we're, when we're in the pet care business, like it's a big old circle of everybody contributing to, to help these animals and to take care of them. Like it, it really takes um, people from, from every aspect and knowing that you got to spend that time with him and to, to grieve with the, the owner and to make him as comfortable as possible. That's a really powerful impact that um, they have on you. Yeah, they really do. Um, it, those, it makes those kinds of things make it all worth it. Um, and, you know, there is the flip side where this kind of service isn't for everyone. You know, I've gone to do cats or dogs that I've either had to stop or, walk away before I could even do anything. Um, it happens occasionally and I hate it and I feel bad um, because I, you know, never want to, uh, you know, do the expectation of, yeah, sure. I'll groom your pet. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to be like, no, nope, I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry. Um, but I have to put my safety and the pet safety first. And sometimes just that means that the grooming is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a great set of regulars and I love continuing to build up grooming over time and as things go along, but I also, you know, like to strive to give myself balance because I've been on the other spectrum where I've worked so much that I didn't get to enjoy life and didn't get to do things. So mm-hmm. I kind of like to have this balance where, I mean, my kids are little and I want to try to be present with them and finding that unique balance. and it's kind of a unique role that I'm in with the moment of being a dog walker and a groomer, but I, I love it. And I like improving my grooms and my techniques and using new and better tools and 
doing those like before and after photos of really, you know, getting to see the difference like we talked about before. But it's all that kind of hard work that makes it satisfying and gives that good balance of enjoying life. And, you know, I, some people say, if you love your job, you never feel like you work a day in your life. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true. I feel like what I'm doing a lot of the times, I mean, yes, it's work, but a lot of the times it doesn't feel like work. And mm. when you work with animals and that are such my, such my passion that it's, it's the best feeling to get to do, to do this. Cause if you would have asked me, let's say 15 years ago, I would have been like, no way, yeah, <laughs> no way. But what I'm doing is, is, it's awesome. And I love being able to work with pets on, on a happy note and for the most part and be a part of part of their life, because I know that my animals are everything to me and just like other people's are to them too. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, it's such a cool role um, that you talk about and um, just a completely different perspective. So uh, th Leah, thank you so much for coming on today. I know, I, I, I know I've learned a lot and I know other people listening will learn a lot too and kind of give a little uh, gl glimpse into the life of a groomer and all the things that go into thinking about that and um, considerations that need to be made. Well, Leah, thank you so much for coming on and taking time out of your busy schedule and everything. Um, I, I have learned a ton. I'm, I, I have so much to review and go back over on this. Um, how, how can listeners reach out to you and follow along with your work? Um, you can follow me on Instagram um, on the Pooch Grooming Columbus, uh, or my personal is love underscore and underscore paws. Um, you'll see kids and kids and dogs and chickens on there um, <laughs> and cats. But um, my the grooming one also has my basically it's all my grooming clients. Okay, so okay, that's sort Very. of the best way to find me. <laughs> Very good. Well, Lee, again, thank you so much for coming on today. And we'll, we'll definitely love to have you back on to talk more about grooming stuff. Oh, thank you very much. I love, I love the podcast and I love what you guys are doing. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. I told you, right? Leah brings an amazing amount of experience and expertise that we all have a lot to learn from. We get a lot of questions about whether you should or shouldn't offer pet grooming as a service if you're a pet sitter. And I hope that by listening to Leah and her experience, that that will help shed some light on your decision making. Obviously, there are a lot of things to take into account and consider if it's what you are going to want to pursue. It's definitely a worthwhile endeavor if you believe it can add value to your services. To follow Pet Sitter Confessional, we are Pet Sitter Confessional on Facebook and Instagram. We're PS Confessional on Twitter. Send feedback to feedback at PetSitterConfessional.com. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you never miss a new episode. <laughs>